Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in John chapter 19 this morning. If you want to grab your Bibles and study along, John chapter 19 is uh, one of the most well-known chapters probably in all of Scripture as we lead up to the time which Jesus is crucified on the cross. It's a gut-wrenching story in a lot of ways. Um, It certainly gives us a lot to think about as we see what our Savior did for us and what he went through uh, here in John chapter 19. So Jeremy, as, as we begin... As we talked about last week, uh, Jesus had been taken into custody and brought before several different people, ultimately leading to Pilate, and that's where we're picking up here in John chapter 19. We saw the Jews almost have that mob mentality as they're pushing to have Jesus crucified, and Pilate seems to be in a lot of ways kind of caught in the middle of all of that. And as we begin chapter 19, uh, again, we see Pilate coming into play here, and it begins with him scourging uh, Jesus in this process. So maybe let's just start there. You know, what, what's going on in all of this process that, that Jesus has been rushed through the night before as we kind of led up to this moment in time? You know, what, what's happening here? Why is Jesus being scourged? And what's taking place behind the scenes a little bit? Well, I think, you know, in the chapter before, in John chapter 18, is when really the ball starts rolling. Uh, they're in the garden there at the, at the very beginning of John chapter 18. Judas comes with other folks. They're going to arrest Jesus, and ultimately they do. It's now, you know, at nighttime, and he's being rushed to the uh, Jewish uh, religious rulers, if you will. And we talked about last week that ultimately they couldn't do what they wanted to get done. I mean, they wanted Jesus to be put to death, and they didn't have the authority to do that. And so they're now shifting him over to Pilate, who is the Roman ruler at this time. He has the authority Mm -hmm. to make this happen. And then you go through chapter 18, and and it it seems fast. It seems hurried, and I think it, it is fast and hurried. But what is really interesting at the end of John 18 and now the beginning of John 19 is you have this interaction between Pilate and Jesus and Pilate really struggling with what to do. Mm-hmm. And he, he doesn't think Jesus should be put to death. I mean, he, he personally doesn't. Now he's going to ultimately bend to the political pressures that come, but he personally doesn't. And so he does everything that he can think of to appease. And so yep. at the end of John chapter 18, he, he comes up with the idea that, you know, listen, it's because customary that we're going to release, you know, one prisoner. And he puts before them Jesus, who Pilate doesn't think has done anything wrong, but he has really done a lot of good things. And I think he chose Barabbas because here is someone who is not just some, you know, petty, you know, thief or whatever. It's the worst guy that he could come up with. Mm-hmm. Surely they're going to choose to release Jesus and not release Barabbas back into, you know, back into the public. But Hey, they asked for Barabbas. And now when you get into the beginning of John 19, you make mention of the scourging of Jesus. I think, again, Pilate is doing that, looking to appease in some way. I will brutally beat him. Mm -hmm. That's what scourging is. This isn't a slap on the wrist kind of thing. It is a brutal beating. And if I brutally beat this man, surely that will appease uh, the Jewish leaders from wanting to kill him. And so I think that's what he does, but he's going to learn very quickly that that's not going to appease them. They want him killed, and ultimately Pilate's going to bend to that. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And not only 
not only were they beating him and the, the physical suffering that that entailed, but, I mean, there was mocking and embarrassment that was a part of this as well. I mean, when you read about the crown of thorns that are put on him and the purple robe that's placed around him, they're, they're openly mocking him as well during this process. And I think you're right, and I think a lot of ways all of this was – in Pilate's mind, uh, hoping that this would be enough. Hey, I'm going to publicly embarrass this guy. I'm going to beat him within an inch of his life. I mean, uh, history will tell us that a lot of people died during the scourging process. Right. I mean, that's how brutal it was. And so he, I think in his mind, he's thinking, listen, I'll beat this guy within an inch of his life. I'll embarrass him in front of everyone, and that will be enough, and this will be behind us. And, and yet, as we're going to read and as we go through that wasn't enough to satisfy the Jews, and ultimately nothing was going to be enough to satisfy him before putting him on the cross. They wanted to see him dead, and that nothing was going to stop that from happening at this point. Even as Pilate tried his best, within reason, to appease them otherwise, they were bloodthirsty. They wanted to see this man dead, and so nothing short of that was going to satisfy them. And that's where I think when we kind of Pilate brings Jesus back in, after all of these things, and kind of talks to him. And I think, again, looking for, is, is there any way we can get out of this? You know, he asks him the question, you know, in, uh, down in verse number 8. He asks him, you know, where are you from? And he, he asks him about whether or not he's a king. Um, he asks, you know, he's asking him these questions, I think all pointed towards getting to know Jesus and trying to figure out if there's a way that he can get past this without having to kill a man that he sees as innocent. Right. And at the end of the day, that just wasn't going to happen. These these Jews wanted blood. They wanted to see Jesus crucified. Yeah, and, and Pilate, you just didn't want any part of it. You know, to me, this whole, really from verse 1 down, you know, really to you get to verse 16 when he's ultimately delivered to be crucified, you see Pilate just reeling from trying to do whatever. And we've made mention that, hey, he's going to beat him. He's going to, you know, mock him. He's going to humiliate him. I, I think in a lot of ways, verse 5 is an interesting, you know, passage after he has beaten them, they've they've put a crown of thorns on his head because you know Jesus says he's a king. They place this robe on him, and there in verse five, it's like Pilate presents him. You know, Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, wearing the purple robe, and Pilate says, you know, behold, here is the man. Here he is. Yeah. He is beaten. He is humiliated. He is suffering worse than any man uh, you know, alive basically can suffer after being scourged and now humiliated. Here is the man. And then that you have right after that in verse 6, the chief priest, they see him, but they cry out, crucify him. And then Pilate, as you made mention, brings him back in and tries to talk you know, through him once again, but ultimately, you know, Pilate bends. And it's just, I mean, Jesus is just, I mean, he's a pawn in the midst of this, mm -hmm. you know, power play between, you know, the Jews and Pilate. And he's just ping-ponging kind of back and forth a little bit here. But ultimately, you know, Jesus has known for a long time what's ultimately going to take place. And he has, just as we've seen prophecy, you know, laid out, he has stayed 
quiet. He's not defended yeah. himself. He's yeah. not cried out that this is unjust in any way. He has remained quiet and ultimately will remain that so all the way to the cross. Yeah, I mean, he, he's very much resigned to what's taking sure. place. And we, we talked about even going back uh, a chapter to the the calmness and the peace that we see in Christ throughout all of this is, is very evident as, as he's aware of what's going on. Now, he still feels every lash that he's taken. Sure. And I'm sure there's, he still feels the humiliation that's being brought upon him. He's not immune to those things. But he understands what's happening. He knows why it's happening. And this is not a man that we see begging for his life. This isn't a man that's crying out for, you know, to, to be released. He is, he is in, in every way content albeit in pain and suffering, he's content with the situation that he's in, even to the point where, you know, when Pilate asks him in, in verse number 10, you know, why aren't you speaking to me? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or release you? Like, Jesus, how come you're not? Pilate's used to, to people in Jesus's position pleading for mercy from Pilate. Jesus isn't doing that. In fact, Jesus there goes to say, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered to me delivered me to you has the greater sin that is in a lot of ways insulting to Pilate. Uh, yeah. Jesus is saying listen you're you're actually not the one that has the power right. the power that you have over the situation it's been given to you right and even in that moment Jesus is I won't I won't use the word defiant but he certainly isn't uh, cowering before Pilate and begging him for his life he recognizes that his father is the one that's given Pilate any power that he may have, and he knows what's going to happen here, and you almost get the sense that he would just like this to kind of progress and move on and get this over with. You know, why do we have to continue dragging this out? But that, that mentality that Jesus has, I think, just further demonstrates the level of peace that he had during this entire process. Yeah, and, and listen, the Jews needed Pilate to get this done. And, and you really see, Pilate, he understands that. As you just made mention, he, he basically tells Jesus that. I'm the one mm -hmm. who can put you on the cross or who can release you back into the public. I mean, he is the one, and the Jews even knew that. Yeah. And so he, he's dealing with all of these things, that, you know, and ultimately, when you get down to verses you know, 15 and then certainly verse 16 when he kind of presents Jesus that last time and, and he, he, he throws out there, you know, do you want your king crucified? Shall I crucify your king? And then and they're like, you know, we have we have no king but Caesar. I mean, mm -hmm. they're uh, trying to appease themselves to the Romans in every way. And then really the sad verse in verse 16 of chapter 19 that he delivered him to them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And it's really interesting, the phraseology of that, that he delivered him to them mm -hmm. to be crucified. And I, I think that's John, you know, really letting us know as he pins these words that it was certainly Pilate's involved, there's no question about yeah. it, but the driving force are the these religious leaders of the Jews. Pilate knows that, Jesus yeah. knows that, John knows that, and now Pilate, he basically gives in to what the Jews want. That's what he's done here. He's given in to what they want. It's also interesting there that it's the chief priests that are answering, we have no king but Caesar. Yeah. I mean, these are Jews. You know, C Caesar is, is the Roman king, and yet the, these Jews and the religious leaders, no less, of the Jews, you would think if they were going to cry out to a king, it would be God. Or, you know, or, or they would be looking for a, a coming king to free them from uh, the rule of the Romans. And yet here they are 
crying out that we have no king but Caesar. I think you made the point correctly there that they're in a lot of ways just trying to butter up Pilate to make sure they get what he what they want out of all of this. Right. I mean, these are supposedly the religious leaders of the Jews. They've completely sold out in right. so many ways, not just in this situation, but and it goes back, you know, years prior to this. I mean, they they are no longer true religious leaders of the Jews anymore. They're as much political figures as Pilate is in a lot of ways. And they're just they're doing whatever they have to do to get what they want in this situation. They recognize that everybody is looking to them. All eyes are on them. They want to make sure they get this done. Right. And so they're going to say and do whatever they have to do in this situation to make sure that Jesus hangs on a cross. And so, hey, no king but Caesar. Yeah, let's, you know, go Caesar. They don't care. They're just doing whatever they have to do to make sure they get what they want. And what they want is to see Jesus crucified. And I think you're right. Verse 16 is a really... A powerful verse in a lot of ways. As we see, yes, the Romans are the ones that have the laws and the authority to hang someone on a cross, but this was absolutely the Jews doing. Right. They wanted this done, and nothing was going to stop them from getting it done. And the way that it's worded there makes it very evident that the Romans handed him over, they gave them the, uh, the authority and the permission that they needed, and the Jews were going to put Jesus on the cross. And, and I think also this verse, verse 16, and certainly into verse 17, where you kind of, that uh, march to the, you know, to where he's going to be crucified begins. We talked about it a lot with John chapter 18, that everything seemed to be moving so quickly. You know, he's in the garden, then arrested in the yeah. garden, but then taken directly, you know, to Annas and to Caiaphas, and then the pilot. Things are moving very, very rapidly. And, and I think that picture continues to be given to us here, really, in John chapter 19, mm-hmm. where you have this conversation that's being taken, you know, with Pilate, and, and Pilate is, he's asking the people, do you want me to send you out Barabbas? No, Jesus, and, and he's beaten, and he's, he, he's humiliated, and he's now given to them to be crucified, and then you have there in verse 17 that he, bearing his cross, went out to the place of the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha, and the picture is, it, it's, it's from there, from Pilate saying, listen, okay, you can have him and, and take him to crucifying, and they took him. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, hey, we're going to sit him in prison for, you know, a few months and see if anything else comes to be. This thing is moving rapidly, not just yeah. through his trials, but through the entirety of his death. I mean, we're talking hours from, you know, him just being in the garden with his apostles and being dead on a cross, yeah. not days or right. months or weeks or, you know, in our culture, decades sometimes. <laughs> right. yeah. it, it is hours. Yeah. And it just continues to showcase here as John tells the story of how quickly things are moving. He's beaten he is humiliated, and he is hurting physically, and now he's got to carry the cross. The other, mm-hmm. the other gospel writers certainly, you know, help to fulfill that full picture of, right. you know, that whole scene where he's really physically unable even mm-hmm. to carry it. And, I mean, they're just going to put this man on the cross just hours removed from him spending the time that we've spent so much time in, from John 13 to John 17, you yeah. know, with his disciples. I mean, we're just hours from there. And it's just the timing of everything really hits heavy on me and, yeah. and probably should hit heavy on all of us. Yeah, sure. I mean, there was absolutely no due process of any kind no. that took place in all of this. There was nothing fair about it. There's it was it was rushed it was hurried they saw an opportunity and they took it and they, you know when you think about that you take a step back i mean thinking about jesus 
going through all of this and, and the reasons why he went through all of this is hard enough sometimes to, right. to just deal with that. But then to think about just the train wreck they made of the justice system in the process to, to make that happen, it's just, you look at it and you think, this is so unfair on so many levels. Not only is this an innocent man, but, I mean, he wasn't even given a chance. Right. He wasn't given a chance. And, and that is, it's sad to think about. It hurts to, to think about that. Um, but then when I, you know, I try and take a step back and remove myself from the situation and realize that as sad and as unfair and unjust as this was, this is part of God's plan. Right. I and mean, this is part of God's plan to save mankind. And as, as hard as it is sometimes to read through all of this, and to let sink in what actually happened, I have to remember that this is all done out of love for me, and, and Jesus did what he did so that I could have my sins taken away. And, and I never want the, the unfair nature of all of this to in any way hinder my ability to comprehend and appreciate what's happening in this process. It hurts to read about what Jesus went through, uh, but I'm so thankful at the end of the day that he did and the, the situation, it was what it was, but this is a, a savior for us who went through all of these things because he loved us and he was going to fulfill what God sent him to do. And, and you know, not to spoil the end, but that's exactly what he says yeah. at the end of all of this, that it's finished. He, he accomplished everything that he came to this earth to do, including going through this mock justice system uh, that led him to the cross. Yeah, you know it's you know it's interesting. You know we've just been here and you know in John's gospel and you know everybody who's listening knows. I mean this John is one of four you know men that really record the story of Jesus and mm -hmm. his life. All four of them certainly include this scene here of the crucifixion. And you know it's it's interesting to me that you know when you put the whole picture from all four gospels together and and you get an understanding that there were several things that Jesus said, conversations that he had, you know, even with the, the two men who were uh, crucified there with them. He had mm -hmm. conversations with those two men. He talked to, you know, the people who were there. I mean there were lots of things, you know, that he said, but then when you just hear look at John's gospel, it's interesting to me what John reveals. And, mm. and I think it really pinpoints to his feeling of Jesus. I think it pinpoints to him physically being there yeah. because he involves himself in a conversation. Yep. And it just, you know, it's, it's a very almost intimate picture now of what of what John gives. He doesn't provide, you know, all of the statements that Jesus makes from the cross. The one, you know, conversation basically that he has between John and his mother and that, mm -hmm. you know, that intimate picture there. He, he he doesn't include all of the other, you know, things that are really happening. He does talk about when Jesus, you know, had received the wine, he, he says it's finished. And so that's a, a phrase that you have. But I think it's also interesting that John is the one that really gives us the full picture of, of him being, you know, jabbed into the side with the mm -hmm. spear after he's dead. And, you know, hopefully we'll have opportunity to talk about that here in just a minute. But that's at the end. But I do find it interesting what John chooses to tell us about this scene and in the way he really chooses mm -hmm. to go about doing it. Yeah, one, one of the details that he includes here is uh, the title that was put, in abo put above Jesus. Uh, Pilate wrote there in verse number 19, he wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And when the Jews saw that, they didn't like that. And they right. asked Pilate, hey, you need to change this to say 
he said, I am king of the Jews. The, the irony is that what Pilate wrote is absolutely true. Right. And, and the Jews didn't like that because at the end of the day, that's why they were out to get him in the first place because of the claim that he was making right. in those regards. And so it's, it's interesting. This is one of those details that John includes about the Jews' reaction to what Pilate inscribed above Jesus. And, and really what we see is the truth of this on display and even to the bitter end, the Jews fighting against that truth. Yeah. They were not going to acknowledge Jesus as their king. Even at the very end, even if it was in a sarcastic tone, they were not in any way interested in acknowledging Jesus as a king. And yet, there it was, inscribed right above him as he hung on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. So, so it's such a perfect ending to the, to the picture, really, to see that in your mind inscribed above Jesus as all of these Jews look upon him as the ones who put him there and mocked him and all of those things. And yet the truth is written right above him. He was a king. He is a king. And that's that. He, he lived that way. He died that way. And he remains a king today. And so there, there's some irony, I think, found yeah. in, in all of this as, as we see that inscribed. You know, we've talked a lot about it because, you know, John's gospel itself is built upon the theme of belief. You know, yeah. he wrote these things. He said he wrote these things so that we can, we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and even the, what he chooses to, to tell us here is to help our belief. I mean, he, he paints the picture, as you just said, that, you know, you, you have some who simply are not going to believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality of who he is is put up on the sign, and they're like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> and so you have that. But, you know, he even includes, he doesn't do this a lot in his gospel, but I think it's interesting here he includes even two Old Testament prophecies mm-hmm. with regards. One about yeah. the treating of his clothing. Mm-hmm. points back that that fulfills prophecy. And, and even the uh, the men who came to break his legs, and they don't because he's already dead, and they you know thrust the spear through him. He even makes mention there that this is a, a fulfilled prophecy. And I think he gives those. You know, he doesn't do that a lot. At yeah. least Matthew does that a mm-hmm. lot. When you come to John, he doesn't do that as much, certainly, as Matthew does. But you still see John pumping those, you know, that idea of this is someone who needs you need to believe in, that he was who he said that he was, ultimately all the way to the cross, which even that was prophesied yeah. about in strict detail. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that is the, what's impressive about these two prophecies, the detail of each of them. And John is witnessing those quite possibly because he's there. We know from a conversation that he has, and you know it's just the specific detail of it that is striking. It really is, and I think it's an interesting point that you know I, I've heard people make the argument that when they read things like this, the the argument is that the people there were doing these things because of the prophecies that they had heard, and they were doing what they needed to do to fulfill them. Well, that, that's just. That argument can't be made here. These are Roman soldiers. Right. They don't know anything about Jewish oh, prophecy. No, no, they're, no. They're, not, they're not in on this in any way. They're, right. just, they're, they're seeing an opportunity to get some clothes and some whatever out of this thing, and so they cast lots for it, having no idea that what they're doing is fulfilling prophecy. John's telling us that after the fact as he looks back on this and, account, and, and, and records for us what happened, and he makes the point they did this and fulfilled prophecy in the process. These weren't people that were in on it. They were, they were just living in the moment, doing what they would probably typically do in a situation like this. But to your point, those, those very detailed actions, God knew that that was going to happen. People have been told for hundreds and hundreds of years 
that these specific details were going to happen. Jesus knew this was going to happen. Right. This was no surprise to Jesus. God wasn't taken aback by all of this or caught off guard by all of this. And in moments like this, verses like this, I think, again, just reiterate, this was part of God's plan all along. And it's being fulfilled just like he knew that it would. And as much as it breaks his heart to see his son going through this, he knew this was going to happen. He knew this is what had to happen in order for Jesus to fulfill his plan for the, for, for the forgiveness of man's sins. That was part of his plan all along. And, and what we're seeing here are the intricate details of that prophecy being fulfilled. Yeah. And, you know, the other prophecy that we made mention of, just very quickly, because I do want to, you know, spend some time on the conversation that Jesus has with yeah. John and his mother. But even that other prophecy about at the end, the soldiers coming because the bodies needed to come down, mm-hmm. that, you know, they broke the legs, but Jesus was already dead, so they, you know, didn't break his legs, but they yeah. still thrust him with the spear. And I'd always thought, you know, why did they do that? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a dead man already. Mm-hmm. Why do why they have to do that? And, you know, as I've gotten older and as I've thought about it a lot more, I, I think it really just points to the absolute disdain mm. that people had for people who were crucified. Yeah. I mean, absolute disdain for it. They, these soldiers didn't have any trouble breaking the legs of no. these other two men because they are the lowest of the low. They're mm. being crucified. And, oh, wait, I don't have an opportunity to break his <laughs> legs. Well, he's yeah. the lowest. I'm still going to mm-hmm. stab, you know, just yeah. stab him with the spear. And, 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 you know, whether John was there seeing it or whether he was witnessing it or heard about it or whatever, I mean, just, you know, the relationship that he would have had with Jesus to see that or to hear about just that desecration is yeah. ultimately what it is. You know, it would have been tough, but yet he adds that, listen, this is all about prophecy as yeah. well. And it's just, you know, those two pieces of prophecy, I think, are really interesting. And then, of course, you know, the conversation that he has with his mother. Yeah, let's talk about that just briefly, because this is, again, one of those details that's given to us where we see some of the people who are, are there witnessing all of this, some close friends and even the mother of Jesus himself there witnessing all of this. And I can't even imagine what must have been going through right. their minds as they witnessed the humiliation and the beating and then the death of of their son, of their friend, uh, how painful that is. And, and we've talked already quite a bit about how Jesus understood what was taking place and he was at peace with it. And yet we do see, even at this moment, kind of that human part of Jesus right. that was still very much alive at this moment in time as he looks at his mother and realizes that it's his responsibility as his son to make sure she's cared for. Yeah. And, and that level of, of love in a moment like this is just, it's, it's such a beautiful picture of Christ. I mean, not only is what, he doing, what he's doing in this moment on such a grand scale, but yet he still cares for the people that he knows and loves and has spent so much time with and he's related to. I mean, he, he cares for them, and that's yeah. just so honest. I mean, I can only imagine any son in that situation as much as they could in their last moments, would want their mother taken care of. And you see that with Jesus here as well. And, I mean, it's it's one of the more heartbreaking parts of all it of is. this in a lot of ways because it humanizes him in, in such a, a crucial moment and, and such a vulnerable moment for him to recognize that he's going to do whatever he can in his last moments to care for his mother. It's such a beautiful picture. And, and again, it, it's Jesus 
thinking of others. I know how many times have we talked about that already. I mean, you know, you think about even these final hours going back probably to the, you know, John chapter 13. We've been kind of in these final hours. It's all, it's the whole thing has been about others. I mean, the whole thing has been. And here he is, I mean, agonizing on a cross, but yet it is his mother that he's looking out for in every way. And, And these people that are there with him that John makes mention of, are the closest of people mm-hmm. to Jesus and you know and, and even for them you know to what they have to deal with and and ultimately as was God's will he he's he's put to death here he dies there on the cross and, and it happens fairly quickly mm-hmm. i think quicker than what they expected because yeah. the other two apparently weren't dead right. yet uh, but i think that goes to the physical toll and beating that he had taken probably by Pilate before, mm-hmm. that's going to certainly have an impact on the fact that he didn't last very long there on the cross itself. And you also wonder when you when you read this, you know, the Mary Magdalene and, and Jesus' mother are, are called out, and the disciple whom he loves called out, just as telling are those who aren't there. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that previously where when Jesus was arrested, most of them scattered and you know, Peter kind of followed at a distance, and some of them kind of hung around a little bit to see what was going on. And yet here, when he's hanging on the cross, uh, they're nowhere to be found, apparently, or at least not there in this moment in time. Right. And and I think that's that's also telling. And, and you know, I can imagine that these men probably have some regrets <laughs> about that moment in time. And, you know, we've talked about how you can kind of follow their story after Jesus' resurrection, certainly, and I think there's some healing that takes place during that time leading up to the time in Acts uh, where they take on their responsibilities there. Uh, but, you know, the fact that they aren't there in this moment in time, I think, is telling us to where they were. They were they were scared. They were afraid that this may be them next. And, you know, they were not going to be around when this took place. Well, as important as chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 were for them and their development, just as important will be chapters 20 and yeah. 21 yeah. after the resurrection. I mean, the picture that John gives us after the resurrection is basically spent with his disciples yeah. in chapter 20, and then they're on the side of the sea in, in chapter 21. And it is Jesus, it is him uplifting them because mm-hmm. he knows what, what's on tap for them. Yeah. And so, you know, as this chapter kind of closes, you have, you know, Jesus taken off the cross, laid in the tomb, and then certainly, as we know, not to give the end away, but then very next chapter, you know, three days later, he's going to be raised from the dead. We'll go ahead and stop there. And we want to thank everyone for taking some time out of their day to study along with us. Uh, Hopefully this has given you some things to think about as you continue your study. So thanks again for your time. And we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.